It's through faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. No one can do anything to influence this grace. But it's not of our works, lest anyone should boast. Because it's easy for human beings to boast. To say, I've done one and two and three, that's why I have a big house. I've done one and two, that's why I have a blessed life. But this grace that we are talking about, it's nothing that we have done. It's nothing that has, you can do. Grace is unmerited favor. We didn't deserve it. Amen. It's the favor we did not deserve. Amen. I like what one of the great men of God described grace as God's riches at Christ's expense. It's God's riches made available to us at Christ's expense. Amen. So it caused the Son of God to die on the cross for us to receive this grace. Amen. Humanity could not save us. Amen. We were deep in our sins. We were helpless. We were hopeless. We had no future. And Jesus reached out to us and he saved us. Amen. We needed God to intervene in our lives. No amount of bulls and oxes and sheep we slaughtered in the past could do anything for us. Anyone can, can associate that, you know, in the, especially in our culture, there are people who every time they celebrate something, they have to slaughter a cow. They have to thank God and slaughter a cow so that blood will be there. But no amount of sin can cleanse us and wash us of our sins. No amount of bulls can do that for us. Amen. So how did this sin? Everyone says, you know, we have sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. But how did this sin enter into our lives? Everyone born now might think, oh, it's unfair that we, we suffered the sin of Adam. It's unfair that we suffered for sins that happened 2,000 years ago and we still have to repent and come to the saving knowledge of Christ. How did this sin come into our lives? Have you ever wondered, how come I was born sinful? It's not of your own doing, but it's because of what happens. Romans chapter number 5 and verse 12. Let's read it and see what God is saying to us. Amen. How come we were born into sin? How come we were born into sin? We were innocent. We just came. And there we go. We are born into sin. What happened? Five, uh, um, Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. The Bible says, Therefore, just as though one man and through one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for, all, for that all have sinned. Amen. Through one man. Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So because of what happened in the Garden of Eden, sin entered by just one man. And so death passed upon all men. So we were all condemned to die because of just one man. Wow. Wouldn't you want to find this man and, and say, why did you sin? Because of one man. Amen. So here we are, we have sinned and fallen short. We were, we had sinned and fallen short because we are no longer sinners, amen. We had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Only just through one man it happened. Only through one man. Verse 13, 
For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Amen. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of transgression of Adam, who is the type of him who was to come. But, verse 15, but the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So just as sin entered through one man, grace abound also through one man, who is Jesus Christ. Just like sin entered with one man, there is another way of reversing this. Is through the man Jesus Christ. Amen. So then had abounded to many. Amen. I thought you would shout amen. Amen. Because we know the Savior who is Jesus Christ. Because God initially, when God created us, he had a purpose for our life. God created us. The Bible says in the book of Psalms 149 verse 4, For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Amen. So God takes delight in you. There is no doubt about you. Amen. What does he say in the book of Jeremiah 31, 3? The Bible says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That's God's intention for you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Amen. Praise God. So Jesus came here on earth for one purpose. The Bible says, I came that they may have what? Life and have it more abundantly. That's Jesus' purpose. He came so we can have life, John 10, 10, that he can have life and have it, what? More abundantly until it overflows. Amen. God knew you before you were even born. God knew you before you were even born. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, I formed, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Amen. I ordained you a prophet. This was even before you were born. Even before your mom and dad knew each other. The Bible says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So you were known by God. You are not a mistake. You were here for a purpose. Amen. You were here for a purpose. Do you know how much God knows you? The Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 12 verse 7, Indeed, even the very hairs on your hair are numbered. So if one falls today, God knows that number one million and four has fallen. Even your very hair in your head, in Luke 12 7, it says what? They are numbered. Amen. 12 verse 7, please. Amen. Indeed, every hair on your head is numbered. This is how God is so specific. The Bible says he has written your name in the palms of his hands. How can he forget you when he has written your name in the palms of his hands? Amen. In Jeremiah 29, 11, the Bible says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. The thoughts that I have towards you are of good and not of evil to bring you to a desired end. Amen. So is that a God who has bad plans for you? No. Amen. It's not a God who has bad plans for you. He has good plans for us. Amen. And the Bible carries on in the same Jeremiah 29, 12. He says, when you call, I will answer. Amen. 
He's a good God, isn't it? He says, call upon me and pray to me and I will listen to you. Amen. I will hearken to you. Praise God. Amen. God wants to listen to you. So this is, it settles it that God has good plans for us. The plans he ordained you from the foundations of the earth till now, they are good. So if you see anything contrary to that report, it's not from God. Because God's plans are written, they are written there, that God did everything else to rescue mankind. Amen. So on this nearly um, Easter, we are reminded of the grace of God, the amazing grace. God figured it all out. Amen. In, in, in the book, I like what pastor has taken my scriptures from the book of Genesis. Because when God created man, he created them for a purpose. He said, be fruitful, multiply, subdue, have dominion. That's, that's our plan, our purpose. To be fruitful, to multiply, subdue, have dominion. That's what we were created for. We were not created for the devil to buffet us left and right. Because he was already defeated. Amen. So God had a redemptive plan from the start. Do you know that God from the book of Genesis already had a redemptive plan for us? When Adam and Eve sinned, God already had a redemptive plan. The whole book of the Bible is God's redemptive power. When Adam and Eve sinned, it was Adam who was given the mandate. God said to Adam, you can eat freely eat of everything that is here. Freely eat of everything except for one tree. Do you know when God gave Adam that mandate, that direction, Eve was not there. Eve was not formed. This is why God came back to Adam and say, Adam, what did I tell you? Let's read it. Genesis chapter number three. So we can see the redemptive plan of God that immediately when mankind sinned, God had a redemptive plan. He had a way to get mankind saved. Praise God. So in Genesis chapter number two, God said to Adam, and the Lord said, of every tree of every garden freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge, that's verse 16, Genesis 2, 16, of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. He didn't say maybe die. He said, you are what? You shall surely die. Eat everything. Eat the whole 90% and reserve me the 10%. So verse 18 tells us, and the Lord God said, it is not good for men to be on their own. You see that God was just speaking to Adam only. Because in verse 18, he says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Pastor had dealt with this, that he gave Adam the mandate to name, to see if he will repeat what God has done. Because God has named Adam, so if Adam would repeat and name the animals. So Adam, in verse 20, gave names on all the cattle, the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. 
But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. So after God has given him the, 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 to say, don't eat of this, eat of that, Eve was not there. And the Lord God caused this deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept. He took one of his ribs and closed it up with flesh in that place. Then the rib that the Lord had taken from man, he made into a woman. He brought her to, to, to man and Adam says, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So Eve was not there. She, she didn't hear what God said to Adam. It's amazing. The Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, the serpent was more cunning than any of the other animals that God had created. So Eve was not there. Adam heard what God said. And the, the, the interesting thing is Eve was not even formed from the dust. Eve was taken from the rib of men. So Eve is completely everything Adam is. Eve is completely everything Adam is. He was not taken. He was not made from the dust of the earth. God made Adam to fall asleep. God went for the rib, took the rib, and fashioned a woman from the rib. So a woman is, is man, is 100%. So this is why the Bible says, you know, husband and wife, whatsoever the Lord has joined, let no man put asunder. Because we are, I'm joined to him. I'm made from his rib. So when Adam goes to heaven, the Lord will ask you, where is your rib? How, how come you have ribs that are missing? Where is your rib? What did you do with the rib that I gave you? The only thing that differentiates is we have the spirit of God. Adam was made of flesh. Eve was made from the rib. Interesting. Amen. The enemy was more cunning. Genesis 3.1 was more cunning than any. So he, the enemy knew that if I want anything done, I shouldn't go to Adam. I should go to the one who didn't even hear what God said and confuse them completely. So I will go to the woman. The woman was not even there from the foundation. So when the woman had it, the Bible says, let's read it. And the serpent was more cunning than any beast in the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, has indeed God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So he's testing somebody who has no knowledge of what God said. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. Amen. Is that what the woman said? But of the tree, of the fruit on which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die in a cunning way. For God knows that in that day you eat it, you will be like God, knowing the good and the evil. So obviously, the woman gave in. But it was not, it was not her that the message was given to. Wow. So after that, 
God did a redemptive plan. He created a way out. And said in the same chapter, verse number 15, after he saw what happened, that it was the woman who was deceived, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. You will be enemies. You serpent and the, and the woman, you will be enemies. And between your seed and her seed. So it's a fight for the woman and the serpent. And her seed and the serpent's seed. And they shall, he shall bruise your head. This is the seed of the woman. He shall bruise your head. The seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. Amen. So when you look at that verse, between thy seed it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his head. The seed there represent the fruits of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. Okay. Let's go to the book of Romans chapter 16. It will all come together. The book of Romans chapter 16 verse 20 will explain this exactly what it is. So God said, I will confuse, I'll put the, the enemy will be, the, the serpent's seed will be your enemy and the, the woman's seed will be your enemy. So Romans 16 20, the Bible says, and God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you Amen. Amen. The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Praise God. Another version says, and God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. So this is why we can defeat the enemy because of what happened. Amen. The book of Isaiah chapter 7, 14 says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel. So it is a woman that will conceive and bear a son that will bruise the head of the enemy. So we know that a virgin there was Mary. So this was a prophecy that was given that a virgin will conceive and will bear a son, and this son will be called Emmanuel. And according to Romans 16, 20, that seed, which is Jesus Christ, will bruise the heel of the enemy. And we, knew, we know that that was fulfilled in scripture because Jesus Christ was born of a virgin and he came to pass, he came to crush the enemy. Amen. Did you get that? Amen. So the enemy was long before crushed. And how did God redeem them then in the beginning in Genesis? God then realized that they were naked because they said, why did you run away from me? Because I am naked. We are not clothed. We are told that God took a skin of an animal and covered their nakedness. This was the first sacrifice that happened in the Bible. God slaughtered an animal and there was a shedding of blood to cover their nakedness. To cover their nakedness. So the first drop of blood went for their covering. And God used the skin of the animals to cover their nakedness. So that their sin will be covered. But you know that even if your sin is outside, if your sin is inside, it needs to be dealt with. You can cover your outside okay, but the sin, if it's not dealt with on the inside, 
it will eat you up. So God covered their nakedness, but they needed more. They needed more, which the blood of bulls could not offer to cover their nakedness. They needed more than that. They needed salvation. They needed to be saved. They needed to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for them to be completely whole. Amen. So they were covered by this lamp that blinds the skin of an animal. Blood was shed. That was the first redemptive power. But God saw that it carried on into generations. They had their first murder. Their two sons murdered each other up. A bloodshed was done. So from then on, sin came to the world. People of Israel, they will be good with God. The next thing, they'll be worshipping idols. And they'll be doing sacrifices to come before God and say, God, we are sorry. We've sinned against you. We're going to slaughter an animal to just say, Father, forgive us. But until we are fully converted on the inside, until we are fully converted on the inside and know that only Jesus can save us, it needed a blood, the blood of God, but God couldn't come down. The only way God could come down to, to rescue mankind was to send his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who was 100% God and who became 100% man. That is the only man who qualified to come and rescue us. No blood of bulls could rescue us. No blood of men. You could kill your, your family member and say, I'm going to offer my family member a sacrifice. It's not going to be enough. You can kill all the cows that you have and bring them before God. It won't be enough because only one blood qualified. It's the blood of God. So that's why God decided that I'm going to send my son down to come and die to save humanity. Only his blood was worthy. Only his blood deserved it. Only his blood could do it. So Jesus' purpose here on earth, the Bible says in the book of Luke 19 and 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came from heaven to do this one thing, to seek and to save that which was lost. So he came looking for us. That was his purpose. He came looking for us. He had a mandate from God to say, go look for my sons and daughters, the ones who are lost, the ones who, who, who have missed the mark, the ones who, who are wandering aimlessly. They don't know which way to go. Go and look for them to seek and save them that which were lost. Amen. So that is why Jesus came to purchase us with his own blood. He was a holy God. He came for the unholy. He was a just God. He came for the just. He was a sinless savior. He came for the sinful, which were us, to save us and to redeem us from the pit of hell. That is why every time we think about Easter, it is the cross of Jesus Christ. He came to do just this one thing, to seek and save us, to seek and save us. So that you've been found, it's the grace of God. It is a grace of God. This is why you can never have a bad day. You can never have an extremely good day. You always have a grace day. The grace of God just runs throughout your life every day. You can't say you're a child of God and you have a bad day. It's grace that keeps you going. It's grace that keeps you moving forward. Amen. The book of 
John chapter number 10 tells us of something that he did not do it under duress. Let's have a look at it. John chapter 10 and verse 18 tells us he didn't do it under obligation. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. But still he had the power. He had the power on the cross. He had the power to call legions of angels to come and rescue him. He's telling us that I have the power to lay down my life. And I also have the power to take it up again. I can say, God, I'm not going out with this. This is it. I'm not going out to the cross. I can just call the angels and the angels will come running, rescuing him from the cross. But he came for one purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. That's why he had to bear everything that was upon him. Amen. He had to bear everything that was put on him. He had to bear it up because he had one vision, one vision, one way ticket. I have come to save and seek that which was lost. Because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, amen, so that we are the whosoevers. He came for us. He came to find us. I don't know what pits you were in before God found you. If you look back before you knew Christ, before you knew the Bible, you can tell how deep you had gone. You can tell how deep the grace of God went for you. You can tell how deep God snatched you out of that sickness, snatched you out of that poverty, snatched you out of that corruption, snatched you out of that depression. He came just one sole purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost. This is what happened to him, for him to seek and save you. Um, Isaiah chapter 53, the Bible says, Who had believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him, a tender plant. Amen. He shall grow before us and as a root out of the dry ground. He has no form of comeliness. When we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by man. A man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid it as if our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Amen. All we are like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid in on him iniquity just for us. Amen. Of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He was and a sheep before its shearers of silence. So he opened not his mouth. Amen. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? Amen. Verse 10 says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Wow. 
it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Just for you and me, God bruised his only begotten son. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has to put him in grief when you make, when you make his soul and an offering for our sin. He shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 12 finally, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. That is Jesus. Because he has poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for transgressors. We were one of those that he made intercession for. He was bruised, yet he never opened his mouth. Because he knew he was a king. Anytime he opened his mouth to say, no, don't do this, they won't do it. No, don't take me to the cross, they won't do it. But because he kept silent, this is why he is called the Lamb of God. He is the Lamb of God. When you lead a lamb to the shearers, it's quiet, it just follows, and it does as said. He was led to the cross for us, for us to be redeemed, for us to walk free. His blood is what we needed. The blood of Jesus is what we needed for grace to hit our life. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22, all things are purified with the blood. Amen. All things are purified with the blood. The shedding of the blood. Without the shedding of the blood, there is no remission. 9.22 Without the shedding of the blood, there is no remission. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Anything you want to clean up, you need to clean it up with the blood. Without the shedding of the blood, there is no remission. What is remission? Remission means cancellation of debts. Remission means revoking, setting aside. Without the blood, there is no setting aside of our sins. Otherwise, we will be remembering them and meditating on our sins. But because of the blood, we can forget our sins. The Bible says we forget the things of the past. We look forward. We, we run the race that is set before us, forgetting the past. We forget the past. Don't, for, don't remember. We do remember it no more because of what Jesus did. He purged us with his blood. He cleaned us up with his blood. His head was pierced with thorns in his head. And the brows of his forehead was pierced. And the blood came through there. Which gives us peace that surpasses all understanding. He was stricken with grief so we can experience the peace of God. His hands were pierced. Blood gushed out of his hands. What does that mean? The hands, when, when Adam sinned, God cursed the ground which Adam had to work on. So if Jesus' hands were pierced, it means that is reversed. The works of our hands are blessed. Whatever we do will prosper because of what he did for us. So the curse, the, the piercing on the hands reversed the curse upon Adam that he will till the ground and his brows, will, sweat will, will break out of his sweat, of his blood, of, of his forehead. 
So that reverses it. It means when Jesus died on the cross, his hands were pierced. It means the works of our hands is blessed. Amen. When his feet were pierced, he was pierced on his feet. And what does that mean? The Bible says in, in, in the book of Joshua, the land on which your feet thread, that land is yours for your possession. So everywhere you go, you are blessed because of what happened on his feet. His feet were nailed to the cross and the blood gushed out from there. Amen. Hallelujah. I thought you'd be excited about the blood, what Jesus did for us. Amen. And on his side, the soldiers pierced his side. The Bible speaks of water and blood gushed out from his side. What does that say? Do you need healing? God can make you whole. You are already whole because of what happened. You are already whole because of the blood that gushed out from his abdomen. You can never be sick because of what he did for us on Calvary. For what he did for us on Calvary, you can never be the same. You can never be the same because of what Christ did for us. Amen. So when you think about the blood of Jesus, think about what he has done for you. Think about what he has done for you. It is an amazing grace when you think that his son can go to the cross. Yet God, the Bible says, it pleased the Lord to see him bruised. Because he knew what would happen at the end. He had us in mind long before he went on the cross. He had us in mind. This is why the blood is so important. In the book of Exodus, he told the children of Israel, kill, kill a lamb and take a hyssop, dip it, and on the walls of your the doorpost, put the blood. When the enemy sees the blood, the enemy will pass over. When the enemy sees the blood, the enemy cannot touch you. You have the mark of Jesus Christ. You have the blood of Jesus Christ speaking into your heart. You received him by faith in your heart. Therefore, he, he lives on the inside of you. You can never be defeated because of what he did for us. Because of what he did. You can never be defeated by life. If you doubt it, go back to the cross. Go back to the cross. Look at the cross. Look what Jesus did for us. Look what, what he went through just for us. Amen. So when he was hanging on the cross, he was crying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that point, he was covered with our sin. It was even difficult for God to see him, to have pity on him. I can imagine the heart of God he just said, oh, my son, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just for the many sons that I'm going to have. Just for the many sons. You will live again. You will come and sit on my right-hand side. Just do it for these sons that I can see who are scattered all over the world, who are in sin. Just do it for them. Just do it for He cried out to God. The Bible says even his tears was more like blood. The way he was crying, he was in pain. He was whipped. He was, he, he was, everyone was insulting him. They were pulling him this way. They didn't even want to help him carry the cross, but he carried it because he had us in mind. He had us in mind. For, for, for the goal that was set before him, the Bible says he endured the cross. 
It was not an easy cross. When you see it shown, it was not an easy cross. He had to carry it, carry it, carry it, carry it. So that by being bruised, you will be made whole. You will have a sound mind. You will have peace that surpasses all understanding. That will guard your heart and your mind. You will be completely whole. None shall say I am sick in Zion because of what he did for us on the cross. We should approach the cross with understanding, knowing what he did for us. Amen. Knowing what he did for us. Amen. In closing, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 1, he did it all just for us. It is by grace that we are saved, lest any man should boast. We, we are not supposed to boast, but to be excited and talk about him and declare his good works for the whole world to know that he loves them. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Verse 51. Amen. Are you there? Matthew, sorry, 20, did I say 20? 27, sorry. From verse 45, the Bible says, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. There was darkness. Believers and unbelievers, those who thought he was king, those who thought, so if he's king, what's going on? The doubters, the doubting Thomas were around saying, we thought he said he was the king of the Jews. So what is happening? And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard what he said, this, is the, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on the reed and offered him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his ghost. So that means he died. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared before many. Hallelujah. He died. His blood was on the floor. Once he gave up the ghost, a miracle happened for us. The most amazing miracle at that point happened for the believers. The Bible says the curtain was torn into two. The veil was torn and that veil gave us access. The Bible says approach the throne room of grace to obtain mercy at the time of need. Before that veil was open, we didn't have access. We could not have access. 
We know that Jesus went three days, he resurrected, he came back to life. But look at the power of his death. When he died, those who died in the Lord rose up. We know that Jesus is going to come back and this is exactly what's going to happen to us. Those who died in the Lord will rise again and go and meet him. Those who are still on earth will go up and meet him there. But those who died in the Lord will rise up. So when they knew Jesus died, they rose up. They thought, this is it. This is it. We, you know, this is it. This is the time. And the Bible says they went out into, into, the, in, in, into the cities. Amen. His resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. What were they saying to many? I believe they were witnessing. This is the beginning of the revival that started. The spreading of the gospel. Jesus is alive. Jesus is real. Be saved. Come to the saving knowledge of Christ. He is real. He has resurrected. He is the living God. He can save you. He can lift you up. He can bless your life. He can increase you. He can make you better. He can take you from poverty to riches. He can change your life. He can come in you. He can live in you. He will be your guide. Accept him as Lord and Savior. They went into the cities. The ones who were dead in Christ. The ones who were dead in Christ. They resurrected with him. They resurrected in him. This is the life of a believer. You have the mark of Christ. When you die, you wake up on another land. You are not dead. It's just your physical body on the earth. You will rise again. This is why you should enjoy Easter, because it's a reflection, it's a reminder of what Christ did for us. So when he came and witnessed to many, and the Bible is, we are told in the book of Acts, that he says you must, must stay here until you receive power from on high. Once you've received power from high, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, into the outermost parts of the earth. So this is our mandate. He came so that we may receive this Holy Spirit when he has come back and resurrected, so we can be witnesses just from one seed we spread the gospel are we spreading it in our families are we telling our families about Jesus because it will be said when when the trumpet sound that you know those who died in Christ are rising up and we are leaving our family members we are leaving our spouses we are leaving our, our children we are leaving our, all the people we worked with we talked with on a daily basis we are leaving them behind it will be sad because you, we will see each other rising up going to meet him and you'll be thinking why are you not going why are you not coming but they can't come because they don't have they haven't been sealed by the Holy Spirit they haven't been sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's only those who have been sealed with the mark of Jesus Christ who will make it to heaven. This is why we cannot, we cannot just play church and, 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 and with our families, especially husbands and wives. I said, you were taken from the rib of your husband. When the rib goes up, why is the other part of the rib left there? Everyone should go. We should witness to them. We should tell them, use every avenue to tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he is the only reason we have Easter. Christ crucified. 
It's a miracle that happened for us that saved us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it. But the grace of God, the mercy of God was with us. The mercy of God found us and picked us up. And you are here. Let's speak about him. Let's tell the world about him. Let's use the platforms he has given us to speak about him. What he has done for us, no man can do for us. No living human being can do for us. But he did it for us. Let's tell our families. Drop a line there and there and say, Jesus loves you. Jesus has the best plans for you. The thoughts he has towards you are good and not evil. He created you. He knows you by name. Come to him. Give your life to him. He's a saving grace. His saving grace is enough for us. I don't know about you, but his mercies are from everlasting to everlasting. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies every day is a grace day for us. Every time you wake up is a grace day. You hear of people who went to bed and never rose again. But every time you wake up, God still wants us to stay on the purpose. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. And he accomplished it. He came just for that purpose. He humbled himself to the lowest, lowest level, dying a sinful, shameful death so that we may have life. Amen. So we should be excited about this life that Jesus has given us. Excited, shout about it, tell somebody about it. Let's not be guilty of people's blood. People in our families, if you haven't opened their mouth and shared the gospel with them, you are the one who knows Christ. You are the light. Let your light so shine before men. Amen. Let it so shine before our families. Let the light of God so shine before men so that they can lift the name of the Lord on high. Let the light of men so shine so high. Amen. So that they can be drawn to this light. The same grace we receive. Don't you think they deserve it too? They do. They do. It's just because they don't know. To them, it's foolishness to come to church on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But for us, we know that we are growing in the spirit. Our spirit man is being fed. Our spirit man is being lifted on high. Our spirit man is connecting with the spirit of God. Amen. Please be on our feet as we thank the Lord for his word. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. How once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise 
God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God, hallelujah, amen and amen and amen and amen and amen, our God is good.